So we're going to look at the first parable in Mark chapter 4. This is the parable of the sower. The purpose for that whole series was where comfort and joy are broken, how does the gospel of peace speak to us? So I'm hoping we can address a little bit of that this morning. Let's look at the first nine verses of Mark chapter 4. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and his teaching, he said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came along and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked out the plants so that they did not bear grain. And still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying at 30, some 60, and some 100 times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear... Let them hear. Now, a parable, as you know, brings a spiritual aspect alongside an everyday aspect to help explain the spirituality. In this particular, well, throughout the Gospel of Mark, Jesus used parables to explain the kingdom of God in the hopes that people would understand the kingdom of God is near at hand. The reason being that the future of both humanity and the kingdom of God rested on people's understanding of what the kingdom was about. Generally speaking, the people enjoyed Jesus' teachings, but they much preferred the signs and wonders that he performed. And I guess rightly so, we probably would too. Jesus used those signs and wonders to explain the kingdom of God, he used the healings, the miracles, to explain that the kingdom of God was close at hand. We're in it, but we're not in it completely. Does that make sense? It's here, but not fully here yet. So in this particular parable, we're told Jesus went out to the sea There were so many people, he wanted to get away from them. He got into a boat and went out to the sea so that he could teach uninterrupted. When I was in Israel, our group of 50 was taken on a tour of the mountain that the locals claimed was the mount that Jesus taught the Sermon on the Mount from. So we went halfway up the mountain And we got out, we were told to sit down, and our leader, Paul, just a young fella, read the entire Sermon on the Mount. So I was a little bit restless that day, so I got up and I walked up and down the mountain. I was easy, it was easier to do that in those days. And I walked around the mountain, no matter where I went, whether closer to the top or down near the sea, around the other side where I couldn't see them. I could hear Paul 
as he read the gospel, the Sermon on the Mount. And I thought, no wonder Jesus chose this place to do a lot of his teaching around the Sea of Galilee. The acoustics are phenomenal. It was a natural auditorium. It was beautiful. Let's pick up at verse 10. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Jesus quoted the prophet Isaiah, who said those exact words to Israel, God's chosen people. Israel failed to keep their covenant with God. They were an unruly bunch. And as much as they failed God, he still loved them. And he was faithful to them. God also knew the Israelites would one day reject the Redeemer that he would send. Yet, the Savior of the world stood in their very midst at that moment, teaching and healing and performing other miracles. And as unfaithful and discontent as the Israelites were, God maintained his covenant with them at all times. He never broke it. Was this a cause for rejoicing? Absolutely, absolutely. The fact that God loves his creation is cause for joy, always. Are you with me on that? Thank you. (laughs) Simply stated, joy is gladness in the Lord. It is not gladness in something else. That's perhaps happiness. But joy is gladness in the Lord. And when we're glad in the Lord, we need to rejoice. Joy is an inner awareness that God is present always, that he is with us, that he is alive in our lives so that we can be alive in the lives of others around us. We are to rejoice, express our joy outwardly. God's love and faithfulness toward us, I think, demands it. Are we faithful to give it back? I hope so. Picking up at verse 13. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. That's the hard heart. People have a hard heart. They hear the word of God, but it doesn't sink in. This brings to mind my neighbor of several years ago, Scott. He was an adamant atheist. He agreed with nothing of the things of God. I met Scott at the garbage garage at at my condo. I was on crutches and I had two big green garbage bags. I thought it was time I got rid of this garbage. So I toddled down there. He was coming out of the garbage garage as I was headed in, so he held the door open. And he realized how much trouble I was having, so he just took one bag and tossed it in and then the other bag and tossed it in, and I was so grateful. I thanked him. 
Then he started talking. Now, Scott is a talker. Talk, 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 talk. At one point, he stopped, and he asked what I did for a living. So I told him, I'm a spiritual care practitioner in a hospital. Oh, like a chaplain of old. Oh, you're one of those people. He spit it out like it was poison in his mouth. Yes. (sighs) He didn't even let me say, yes, I am (laughs) one of those people. Instead, he just plied me with questions about the Bible and about God and about Christians and about church. And then he finally said that he didn't believe any of it. It was all bunk. And he just went on and on and on, disclaiming the Bible. And I thought, those very disclaimers are the very claimers we use. Anyway, I I apparently was getting very tired because he could see that I was draining after 45 minutes, standing outside on crutches. So he said, we have to have coffee and talk more. Thankfully, and I say this, at the time I said, thankfully, he moved, and I never saw him again. Because I couldn't go through that again. <laughs> but I sat down with our pastor at that time, and I said, Tim, how do you handle these people? He said, simple. Ask him to tell his story, what happened in his life. He said, obviously, something happened that he's upset with God, maybe angry with God and angry with the church and angry with all Christians. And I go, oh, duh, that's what I do for a living. How is it I could not do it at the garbage garage? And I never got the chance to actually talk to Scott again, which now I think was a tragedy. However, times change, we change, we grow, we learn, thankfully. I now know what I would do. I do exactly what I did at work and got paid to do, but I couldn't do it just doing it. I never understood how that had anything to do with evangelism, and yet it has everything to do with evangelism. Get to know people and spend time with them. And that is how we help people restore the comfort and joy they once felt but have lost. God wants a soft heart that is receptive to his word to remember it, to take hold of it, to take it in, make it our own, so that we can live it out. That's what we are to be doing as Christians. You know, <clears throat> when we hang our, our life on, the ho- on the, our hope on the word of God, on the love of God, on the peace of God, on the joy of God, as the candle we lit today, we will always... I mean, the joy of God will always be with us. And we will be able to share that love, that peace, that joy, all the fruit of the Spirit with the people around us. Yeah. We need it ourselves. But the people around us need it even more. And we need to be that candle shining in their dark world. That's the hard heart. Then, verse 16, we read, Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, 
Hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. My brother and sister-in-law come to mind. This is the shallow heart. You know, people hear the word of God and receive it joyfully, but they don't take it to heart. They don't take it in. They don't make it their own. There's no root for them to stand on. Oh, this is not my brother and sister-in-law. Sorry, wrong story. This is a young couple I know who were very happy because they had, they were having their first baby. Somewhere along the line, they lost the baby. And they became angry with God and angry with the church and angry with Christians and all people of faith, regardless of what their faith was. I can only imagine their grief. Their loss shattered their lives. Nothing could be said to console this couple. I've often wondered why they slipped away so quickly. This incident, as I said, shattered their lives. I learned that they were raised to believe in a God of judgment. So they just assumed that the loss of this child meant God was disciplining them for some sin in their life. And the loss of this child was their penance. I don't believe that for a minute, and I hope none of you do either. They were so angry with God. That was the only thing they could think of. Nothing anyone could say could help them understand that God is a God of love, not the God of judgment. The God of love who loves you and loves your baby. Your baby is now in eternal, the eternal arms of our loving Father. That couldn't comfort them either because it was their loss, their personal loss. And I come to realize that they placed their joy in that baby, not in the God and the creator and father of all. Where is your joy? When we misplace our joy, we lose out on the miracles of God. And in this couple's instance, the miracle was that mom was alive and healthy and that the doctor said she was able to conceive again and carry to full term, which she did ultimately. Did they see the miracle of God in that? I don't think so. Did they see the God of love through that? Not that I can tell. Even today. Folks, we have to look at God as the source of love and joy and peace and all the fruit of the Spirit. And if you go to Galatians chapter 5, you will read the difference between the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is so much more, not enticing because this is very enticing for some people. But more endearing, I think. For some of us, more draws us in more easily than this stuff does. And we've all been involved in this sometime, someplace, and maybe still are. 
But the fruit of the Spirit is God's love on us, the Spirit coming alive in us. Yeah. Pick up at verse 18. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. This is the crowded heart. People get busy with life, with careers, with cares and riches of the world. They slowly lose interest in the things of God. Their busyness just chokes out all things spiritual, chokes the word of God right out of them. And this is where my brother and sister-in-law come to mind. Pete and Sandra were both christened as babies. They were went to Sunday school every Sunday. They were confirmed as teenagers. Then one day they got married, had a baby, and bought a house, all in like two or three months. If that was not enough to choke out the spiritual things, I don't know what was. It did for them. My brother was concerned with the expense of owning a home, so he worked hard. He was involved in the union. He was away from home an awful lot. My sister-in-law operated a day home, her baby and three other babies. They were so busy trying to make money to keep the roof over their head that there was no time for the things of God, for the things of the Spirit, no time for spiritual exercises. I pray and have been praying that they will turn back one day. I haven't seen it yet. That was 30-odd years ago. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm not going to give up. I'm going to continue praying. But even now, their homes are filled with kids and grandkids every day, with dogs, with working to pay ever-increasing bills, with alcoholism, and now with cancer treatment. They don't have time for God, they tell me. The crowded heart, it's still crowded in their lives. No room in the end for the things of God. Is that your heart today? Crowded? Get on to the good side now. Verse 20. Others, like seeds sown on soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. And this is the receptive heart, the soft heart, the heart that acknowledges and receives the word of God. The seed falls on good soil. Roots form and grow deep within the human heart and spirit. The plants produce a rich harvest of fruit. We folks are like the seed. That's what Jesus said. The word of God will not take root in our lives unless, first of all, we're in it and have a receptive heart and accept it. We must be open, hearing it, accepting it, understanding it, so that we can bear that spiritual fruit of love and joy and peace, faithfulness, gentleness, kindness, self-control. 
when I was in seminary, I was awakened around 2 o'clock one morning to this bouncing ball, a basketball, on the basketball court three houses down at the community center. The court faced the end of our street, so the basketball, the net was right there, so the court was right there. Bounce, bounce, bounce. And I don't know, I find when there is a rhythm to a noise, I cannot get back to sleep. I tossed and I turned, and I did everything to shut that noise out. I could not shut it out. I couldn't get back to sleep. So I thought, as I was getting angrier by the moment, I got dressed, headed for the door, woke up the dog, a little bulldog. I don't remember his name. So I said, okay, fine, I'm going to take you for a walk right now. So 2.30 in the morning, we head out, three houses down, and all the while I was praying, Lord, you've got to take this anger away. Please take this anger away. Please take this anger away. You know what's going to happen. So I'll get up there. It's a group of 12 kids on the basketball court, 2.30 in the morning. I didn't have to say anything. One of the guys saw the dog, said, oh, what a cute dog, and bent down and started petting him. Well, that little thing just lapped it up, so he kept that guy busy. Another guy asked, how are you doing tonight, ma'am? And I said, oh, I'm so tired. Do you guys know what time it is? And he looked at his watch, and he said, oh, yeah, it's 2.30. And another guy elbowed him and said, no, she's talking about the noise. (laughs) To which another guy said, I'm really sorry, ma'am. I guess we woke you, didn't we? "Mm -hmm, You did. And another one said, okay, we need to go because if we've woken one person, we've woken others. And if we've woken others, we may well get into trouble. So we need to go. So I thanked them. One of the guys, another one of the guys said, have a good night. I hope you can get back to sleep, ma'am. And I said, thank you. And I looked at all of them and I said, hey, guys, thank you for understanding. We went our separate ways. And as I was coming home, I thought, oh, thank you, Lord, because they went away. They heard what I said. They did not feel chastised, which I could have done very easily and have done here to a few people here because I hadn't asked, wait, just wait, get in touch with what you're feeling and ask for grace. But I was able to thank God all the way home. That was the fruit of peace and gentleness born that 2.30 that morning. My comfort had been destroyed, but man, oh man, I got to tell you, God was ever faithful. He gave me exactly what I needed so that those kids got the message. And I have to tell you, they were there at the basketball court every night after that because it was summer, but they only stayed till 10 o'clock. Then they left. I don't know where they went, but they all left. It was a win-win situation, but God was in the center of it, where he belongs And so I can admit to my foolishness of, you know, being angry over this bouncing ball that woke me up. I did eventually get back to sleep and slept another three hours. I believe the way we approach people determines the way they're going to respond to us. Absolutely. 
You know, John 15 says that, Jesus says that, if his disciples abide in him, the living word, then we will bear fruit. Not only that, he says, we will bear much fruit. And even better, we will bear more fruit. How much fruit do you want to bear? How fruitful do you want to be? Be in the word of God, folks. Let it sink in. Take it to heart. Make it your own. Live it out. This is the benefit of being planted in good soil, the receptive heart, our hearts. I can't say it enough. We need to be in the word of God. And if you're not in it on a daily basis, please get in it. Find a good devotional that will lead you there. It only takes one. What kind of heart do you have? Do you have a shallow heart? Do you have a crowded heart? Do you have a receptive heart? Do you have a hard heart? The choice is yours. Invite God to join you so that you can become the person God created you to be. He did create you to be someone special, each and every one of us. And each and every one of us can help those people who are facing disasters and trials by taking the love of God to them, the joy of God, because it's in us. Are you with me on that? Thank you. Good. Folks, our future in the kingdom of God is a promise of God. We're in it, but it is yet to come. We will be in the kingdom for all eternity. Are you ready for that? Life will be quite different there than it is here. I'm looking forward to that. Let's remember that we have a future and a hope even when our comfort and joy are broken. What is it? Our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one. Trust him. Will you pray with me? Oh God, you gave us your word that we might live in the truth of your love. Thank you for helping us to make it through difficult times. Thank you that you carry us through the uncertainty of deep waters, the flames of trials, and the pain of hard losses. We are constantly aware of how much we need you, your grace, your strength, your power, working through our toughest days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.